Story ten of The Human Boy Again by Eden Philpotts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story ten Richmond and the Major General. The fellows talk such a lot of absolute piffle about what I did, and tell such a frightful number of regular write down lies about it, that I have decided to write out the whole thing myself from the beginning, that the truth shall be known there is nothing like truth really and it is the only thing that lasts and i am going to tell the truth fearlessly because honesty is the best policy however hard it may be at the time well after i gave up preaching to the chaps at merivale owing to the row about brown and stopford and all the unpleasantness afterwards i felt that my occupation was gone in a sort of way and it so weighed on my mind that i was one of the first to get german measles and one of the last to recover i was shut up in the hospital and had a great deal of time on my hands for thought and the more i thought the more i felt that my preaching gift ought not to be wasted like this i tried preaching to myself once or twice to keep my hand in and i found that i was clean out of practice and couldn't work up to thirdly and lastly without getting regularly tied in a knot then i tried to preach to the matron and she said it was morbid and told the doctor for i heard her through the door that i was very low and taking a most unhealthy interest in religion after which i had a lot more most uncalled for and beastly medicine and was isolated for three more days because the doctor said it might be something else threatening what was threatening really was my conscience i was perfectly well and frightfully eager to be doing good in the world and as it seemed simply useless to try to do any more good at merivale chiefly owing to that son of belial called stopford i came to the terrific resolve of going i decided to leave quietly i thought on the last day of being isolated i would steal out into the world in a spirit of calm courage and try to do good and leave the rest to providence i did nothing rashly because it is well known that heaven helps those who help themselves and we must not throw all the burden on providence however much inclined we may feel to do so we are given our talents to use not to put under a bushel i had ten shillings and a telescope worth eight and six i had nothing else but my volume of skeleton sermons it seemed enough one is bound to be worldly wise up to a certain point and this is right and proper if you have a mission you must use the best means for carrying it out and even money may be put to very proper purposes if it is spent with a high object besides the laborer is worthy of his hire with my money i decided to use artificial means for getting as far from merivale as possible for ten shillings you can go an immense distance by train though a half ticket was no longer possible for me as i was over twelve but a train is far too public and i should have been discovered therefore i decided upon the simple plan of hiring a bicycle the time was may and the evenings were long therefore i determined to hire the bicycle during the hour when everybody would be in chapel for evening prayer being isolated i could do this the eventful night was fine and warm i slipped out unperceived but i had taken the precaution not to wear my hat with the school colours as that would have been instantly observed 
so i went to my private box and took out my round bowler hat which could not lead to detection i then got over the hedge into the main road because to have walked out of the gate by the lodge would have much decreased my chance of escape all went well the people at the bicycle shop raised no difficulty and for five shillings they let me have a machine for two hours also matches to light the lamp it was put into their minds to trust me and i saw from the first that providence was going to help me the man even shortened the steps a little as i am unusually stumpy in the legs i gave him five shillings and set off pursuit would not begin till my supper was brought by the matron and i had a clear hour before that time then i knew what would happen because two terms before young watkinson who was homesick had run away and tried to walk from merivale in devonshire to edinburgh where his grandmother lives but he had been taken by mannering riding that way on his bicycle two miles out of merivale so i knew that the masters on bicycles and policemen on foot would soon be after me and i intended to avoid the main roads and spend the night in some harmless and wholesome cow-house on a bed of sweet meadow hay then in the morning i should rise get a drink of milk and a little bread and butter from some simple and kind-hearted housewife and leave the bicycle with her to be returned by train to the bicycle shop at merivale what would happen after that i left entirely to providence a telescope and a rather fat book are awkward things on a bicycle and they bumped me rather heavily one on each side as i started so after riding a few miles i dismounted slung the telescope over my back and buttoned the skeleton sermons to my chest though not comfortable they did not bump and i went steadily on my way at a quarter to nine i lighted my lamp and well knew that mannering and chambers had started and that many telegrams including one to my father had probably been sent off by dr dunstan from merivale for the first time i considered what view my father would take of my action and i was bound to feel that he might not care much about it my father though a good father to me has never trusted as much in providence as i could have wished which is curious seeing that he is not only a clergyman but also a rural dean he wants me to go into some lucrative business but i never will for i have no feeling for it my father thinks that money is everything and i know well it is not he said to me once that you can always tell a gentleman by his neckties and the cigars he smokes which is childish because many perfect gentlemen never smoke cigars at all i got rather depressed after dark entirely owing to thinking about my father i also got strangely hungry and was beginning to wonder whether i had better try for some supper anywhere or just leave nature to settle that then a most serious and unforeseen thing happened and the hind tire of the bicycle went off with a loud explosion like a pistol i dismounted instantly i kept my nerve and quietly considered the situation for a moment it looked as if providence was against me but i could not be sure of this yet i wheeled the bicycle to a gate and sat on the gate and considered then far down the road i had come i saw a light and instantly perceived that another bicycle was approaching at quite twenty miles an hour 
to drag my bicycle through the gate into the field to shut the gate extinguish the lamp and crouch in the hedge motionless and silent was the work of an instant the bicycle flew past and the man on it grunted with little grunts it was in fact the well-known grunt of mannering a sound he always makes at footer and hockey so i saw that providence was still with me and felt very much cheered because if the tire had not burst i should have been quietly riding along not thinking of mannering and he would have overtaken me and all would have been over my resolutions were soon made i left the main road which was evidently now no place for me and wheeled the bicycle down a lane near a farm i felt that it would be necessary to my health to eat something before sleeping but cared little what it was and decided that i would just take the fruits of the earth corn or a few turnips or anything in the morning i should mention it to the farmer's wife and ask her to change my five shilling piece for the change from my ten shilling piece after paying for the bicycle hire was a five shilling piece i now became conscious of the fact that the bicycle was a hindrance rather than a help to leave it behind was therefore the work of a moment but first i took a leaf out of my pocket-book and wrote on it these words kindly return this bicycle to the shop of messrs jones and garrett bicycle works merivale and all will be well the hind wheel is punctured the finder will probably be rewarded to show however that i was not careless for the bicycle i may say that i went on until i found a cowshed so that the machine might be dry and not suffer from night dew or possible rain it was not the sort of cowshed that i meant to sleep in myself being evidently used purely for cows and having no fragrant clean hay or anything of the kind in it but it was good enough for the bicycle so i left it there and went on my way there are very peculiar and creepy sounds to be heard in the country at night and i heard them all everything in fact is quite different to what it is by day especially the colors of things there was a watery sort of moon and it made all the leaves on the trees look as if they were cut out of dirty white paper and it made gate-posts and tree-stems look as if they were alive i got a curious sort of feeling about this time and lit a match and read a couple of skeleton sermons this put me absolutely all right and i went to seek some of the fruits of the earth but may is evidently a bad time for that purpose in fact there were simply no fruits of the earth to eat anywhere so i had to trust to young leaves beech leaves are all right in a way but you soon have enough that was all i could get however and i washed them down with a drink from a brook but unluckily slipped in while filling my bowler hat with water then the thing was to find a comfortable place with sweet snug straw and i crept down to a farmhouse and hearing me creeping down unfortunately upset a dog so much that it barked steadily for half an hour and woke many other dogs for miles around at last i found a poorish sort of shed which had no sweet fragrant hay but only a cart with sacks in it the sacks had been used for guano still they were better than nothing and i got into the cart and pulled the sacks over me having first taken off my socks and hung them on the edge of the cart to dry 
i slept but not well and when morning came i found myself deeply scented with guano and starving for food but otherwise all right and still free so i read a bit and put on my socks and set out boldly down a lane to the farm but after all i did not go to this particular farm because instead of a motherly woman or some beautiful young girl standing at the door feeding chickens and pigeons there were two men in a corner killing a pig and the pig simply hated it and to see this done on an empty stomach is very trying to the nerves so i went hastily and boldly on and at last found a quiet and humble cottage and a woman in it i don't think she would have given me food for nothing but when i said i would pay her a shilling for a breakfast and showed her my five shillings to prove it she met my views gladly and gave me three pieces of bread and butter an egg that was not laid yesterday and some tea then she changed the five shilling piece and gave me back four shillings much refreshed and with nothing to trouble me but a cold in the head doubtless owing to getting my feet wet i went on my way my idea was to get to exeter and then boldly take my stand in the cathedral yard and try to begin doing good and arresting the careless passer-by and leaving the rest to providence i did not know whether it might be possible to get to exeter by lanes and footpaths over fields nothing happened except that i gave away two shillings in charity to a blind woman with four children i also said a few encouraging words to her and then being now in the middle of a very lonely common covered with yellow gorse and white may i came suddenly upon a man sitting under a bush smoking a cigarette he was evidently not a happy man being very ragged and with one laced boot and one elastic one his hair was long partly yellow and partly gray his face was as brown as leather and he had little rings in his ears his clothes were faded and a good deal patched he evidently did not mind what he wore his eyes were blue and bright but rather kind on the whole there was a paper open beside him it was a bit of newspaper and contained bones and the sort of food you give to dogs his nails were long and black and some of his fingers perfectly yellow from smoking cigarettes i said good morning can you kindly tell me the distance to exeter and he said i'm going there myself after i finish my breakfast it's about ten miles from here i thought very likely that providence had thrown this rather unsuccessful man into my path for a good purpose so i said as we are both going to exeter we might perhaps walk part of the way together only i like the quiet lanes and field paths best not the high road he seemed to think the idea quite possible he said can't be too quiet for me i said i cannot tell you my history but i may tell you this much i am quite determined to do some good in the world he said funny you should say that i'm just the same i'm nuts on doing some good myself in fact i was sitting here this minute wondering what the dickens it should be i said the truest way to make yourself happy is to set to work to make other people happy and he said righto i've always stuck to that and i've been so busy lately trying to make other people cheerful that i've got rather down on my own luck 
he offered me the remains of his repast which i declined then i told him i had two shillings and that if he was still hungry he might share my lunch with me when we came to some quiet inn he thanked me heartily and fell in with this he said he wasn't hungry but was suffering from an agonizing thirst he said that thirst was a disease with him also smoking and i told him that it was a terrible mistake to become a victim of a habit and he said he knew only too well that it was i improved his mind a good deal before we came to an inn and then not wishing to be seen i gave him one of my shillings and told him to spend sixpence on himself and sixpence on me i merely wanted sixpenny worth of good wholesome bread and cheese and i went behind some haystacks and waited for him he was a long time coming and when he did come i was surprised to find how little bread and cheese he brought for sixpence he admitted frankly that it was very little but he said the landlord was a hard man and he would not give a crumb more for the money while i ate marmaduke fitzclarence beresford for that was this friend's name told me something of his life he was a gentleman by birth and also by education he had in fact been to eton and oxford and also in the army he had won the victoria cross and been mentioned several times in dispatches he had even shaken hands with the king and been thanked by the house of commons for his services in the boer war but then at the very height of his worldly prosperity a bank had broken and he had suddenly found himself quite ruined and penniless of course he had to leave the army for in the position he had now reached which was that of major-general his mess bill alone ran into gold every week a major-general has to buy champagne every day of his life whether he drinks it or not it is a rule in the british army and very important but he said that nothing mattered as long as one tried to do good in the condition of life that one found oneself in he said i was perfectly right to carry my skeleton sermons with me and that the first thing he was going to do when he had saved a little money was to buy a volume himself but if anything he was still more interested in my telescope he said that it was good for five shillings and advised me to sell it he explained that it was useless to me if i was going to devote the rest of my life to doing good and of course this was true he said we had better stop where we were till dusk and that there was a small town two miles off where it might be possible for him as a favour to me to get a friend of his to buy the telescope so we sat a good many hours in this quiet field and he smoked thousands of cigarettes and i told him many things that it was useful for him to know and he told me many things that it was not particularly useful for me to know yet interesting he was a well-meaning and religious officer but he was rather soured naturally enough owing to the utter breaking of his bank and the loss of his hard-earned savings he admitted that i had made him see several things in a very new and different light and then towards evening he said we might now start to sell the telescope he said with a part of the proceeds i might get a fairly clean bed at the little town and that he hoped after a comfortable night's rest i should be able to start refreshed and strong to do good at exeter 
i asked him where he was going to sleep and he said in some ditch because for the moment he was absolutely without means having given away his last shilling to a poor tramp who was even worse off than himself i told him he might be very sure that he would never regret that shilling and he said probably not in the long run but just for the moment as it was getting to be a wet night and he had a bad cold on his chest developing into bronchitis he felt a little weak and regretful then i said you shall share this telescope with me major general beersford and if you like to throw in your lot with me we will take a humble lodging for the night and start to do good to-morrow he said it was almost more than he had a right to expect and yet it showed how wicked he had been to doubt providence for a moment he almost cried and i cheered him up and told him to be courageous and hopeful then he said he would try to be and then he went off with the telescope while i waited just outside the small town behind a hoarding the major-general had said that he should be about an hour as a thing of this kind wanted a good deal of doing but he wasn't he came back in twenty minutes and he brought the telescope with him and he was in a frightful rage and spoke several soldierly words that were not at all right to use for a man who wanted to do good he said the blighters won't let me pop it they all want to know how i came by it dash their infernal impudence why they'd have had the cops on me if i'd stopped to argue about it you'd better take it yourself but i'll be even with some of em yet clash and bash them i'll burn their very bad word houses down about their ears before they're much older in this dreadful way he went on for some time then i tried to calm him down and told him he must not feel too much hurt because common crafty men in shops regarded him suspiciously i said you evidently lost your temper with them and that is never right or wise it was your boots that made them doubt you you ought quietly to have told them who you are and about the king shaking hands with you and the bank breaking and so on then they would have understood and if they had been christian men they would have sympathized with you and very likely have given six or seven shillings for the telescope he said rather foolishly given six or seven grandmothers for the telescope then he seemed to grow suddenly suspicious of me and he asked where did you get it from anyhow if i thought you'd sneaked it i'd i got it from my uncle horace i said he is an amateur astronomer and understands the stars well i ought to understand three balls by this time answered the major-general though what this meant i have never understood myself to this day then he began to make me rather uncomfortable and i detected a good deal of vulgarity in him but doubtless it often turns people vulgar and brutal to come down in the world owing to having to mix with their inferiors and such like now he began to ask me about myself in a very cross-questioning manner and at last it seemed to me that i must tell him the truth in fact he kept on so about who i was and where i had come from that it got to be a simple question between telling him the truth and telling him a lie therefore of course i told him the truth 
and said that my name was richmond and that i had lately changed my way of life by leaving school in order to do some public work in the way of goodness he seemed much surprised you've run away from school then he exclaimed yes i said but of course i am telling you this in the strictest confidence he quite saw that and said that he regarded the confidence as a great compliment to him he became perfectly friendly again and said that when a boy he had run away from school also and that most boys of spirit did so in fact nearly every boy who ever made much of a mark in the world began in that manner i reminded him that he had been to eton at oxford and he admitted it it was from eton that he had run away but he had been subsequently captured and taken back now you have confided in me he said i think i can really be of some practical use to you he guessed at the time and said that if we put our best foot foremost we ought to be in exeter by midnight i remember curiously enough wondering which was his best foot the one in the lace-up boot or the one with elastic sides anyway we set off after i had shared my last shilling with him this he changed into food and drink at a small public-house by the wayside at exeter he said i am widely known and respected when we get there people will welcome me in a friendly spirit and i am quite sure they will welcome you too in fact i can promise you a very warm welcome and a good night's rest will they take the telescope i asked no he said they are not people like that when they understand the situation they will be perfectly well satisfied with you as you are i was glad that the major-general had come back to this quieter and wiser frame of mind and thanked him i hope it may be in my power to do you a service some day i said and then in his turn he thanked me you never know he replied you may be able to do me a good turn even sooner than you think for he smoked thousands more cigarettes and asked me about my home and my family he was rather interested to hear that my father was a rural dean and kindly hoped that he made a good thing out of it i told him that i believed he did but i explained to him that money was not everything indeed far from it and that too much is a great temptation he said that he had never had enough even in his palmiest days to judge and i said there are many precious things that money will not buy major-general you must admit that it won't buy affection for instance he sniffed and evidently doubted this he said it will buy all the affection i want and a bit over then the lights of exeter at last appeared and i was frightfully exhausted by now and jolly glad to see them here we are at last thank the lord said my companion though not in a very pious tone then at the outskirts of the town we came to a building with a light outside and the major-general pushed me in in front of him rather roughly i thought the inside was brightly illuminated with gas and to my amazement the building contained nothing but policemen one of these was much astonished to see us hello slimy sam he said to my companion isn't often you give us a call without a little help from behind then to my horror the major-general cast subterfuge to the winds and appeared in his true character no he said it took four of you blue worms to carry me in last time i was here but this is just a friendly visit i've just been doing a bit of your work in fact 
instantly i perceived my position and made a dart for the door but my faithless companion was too quick for me no you don't my little man he cried out and grabbed me by the collar as he did so this is the missing link he said to the policeman and they were much interested instantly the boy from merivale yes several policemen hastened to the telephone and one hurried off to the main police station of exeter and all was excitement disorder and confusion slimy samuel for this was the real name of the treacherous and unfeeling man told them the whole story in my hearing but he omitted the part about not being able to sell the telescope and the only thing that interested him personally was the question of the reward and really there was not much more to add because what my father said and what dr dunstan said and did and what mannering said and what the bicycle people said and what the other chaps said when i went back is none of it particularly interesting in a general way in fact the only thing that would have been very interesting and that i should really like to be able to tell is what slimy samuel said when he got his blood money for giving me up to justice he declared to the police in my hearing that it ought to be good for a hundred quid at least but his nature was far too hopeful and as a matter of fact he only got two pounds from my father and an offer of honest work he only took the money and i expect he felt rather bitter about it and i felt rather bitter about it in secret also because it seemed to show that my father did not put much value on me two pounds for a human life let alone your own son is really rather little no doubt my father will go on thinking nothing of me till i am a man then perhaps the day may come when i shall be able to show him that after all money is mere dust in the balance against a son who can do the sort of things i hope and intend to do when i grow up into manhood End of chapter ten